Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. The current coronavirus pandemic involves a number of tech areas in the health science community, including data analytics and bioinformatics. For Presidential Innovation Fellow Michelle Holko, these are areas in which she's developed a passion, with previous experiences in the national security tech space with DARPA and interests in leveraging emerging technologies like wearable devices to further health. Could tech like this be the future in pandemics like the current one? Currently detailed at the NIH All of Us program to better engage research participants, Holko discusses genomics efforts and the importance of data in programs like these. Michelle, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So you have a deep background in health science. Can you go into what brought you to NIH and specifically the PIF program? Yeah, I actually first heard about the PIF program on LinkedIn when a former colleague of mine joined the program last January. I had never heard of it before, so I was very curious and logged on to PIF.gov to learn more. So for those who aren't familiar, the Presidential Innovation Fellows, or PIFs, it's a program that brings talent from the private sector into a leadership role in the federal government to champion the use of technology, data, and analytics to build a modern government for the people. PIFs are matched to a wide range of agencies to tackle some of our nation's greatest challenges. I'm actually specifically detailed to the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, and other PIFs are working on projects within other agencies, including the Veterans Affairs Administration, the Food and Drug Administration, and the Department of Transportation, and many others. So the more that I read about the program, the more I really wanted to become a PIF. It sounded like a fantastic opportunity to promote innovation within the government across agencies, to work with amazing colleagues, and to serve the American people. So I obviously applied to the program. And during the interview process, I was able to talk to the NIH All of Us team about the specific project that I was going to be working on. So the All of Us Research Program, it grew out of the Precision Medicine Initiative, and it's an ambitious research project that aims to enroll 1 million participants across the United States with a focus on engaging individuals who've been traditionally underrepresented in biomedical research. The program collects data from participants after they've consented to participate and include the data types include electronic health records data, survey data, biospecimens for genomics and other assays and other data types. And then these data are being used to create the largest, richest biomedical data set for researchers in order to enable precision medicine research. It's truly a significant challenge, figuring out how to collect and harmonize the data, and then how to usefully assemble the diverse data from a million Americans. But it's truly the fact that it is a really challenging project that inspires me, since it requires innovative thinking to be successful and to create this new opportunity for precision medicine research. Precision medicine is such a hot topic right now, especially with everything we've been covering on all of us. Why do you think precision medicine and thus bioinformatics are important? Yeah, that's really true. It really is getting a lot of people are talking about it. So precision medicine, which it can also be called individualized medicine, it really is an attempt to change the way that medicine is practiced. So instead of looking at every patient as kind of the same and doing the same things, what precision medicine tries to do is to look at each individual according to their own characteristics. And it really has the potential to transform the way that health and healthcare are provided. So currently, most decisions that healthcare providers make today are based on clinical research that was performed on the majority of us, and they don't take into account the rich diversity of America. 
So a good example of this is that my doctor might prescribe a drug for me at a specific dose simply based on my weight, but likely not taking into account my specific rate of metabolism of that drug, which can be impacted by things like sex and other genetic differences. This is why NIH's All of Us research program is committed to enrolling and engaging a million participants from diverse backgrounds to promote research that can enable precision medicine. In addition to the diversity of the participants, the program is also collecting data across diverse data types to begin to make sense of how genomics, wearables, and other data that aren't used ubiquitously in clinical practice might help guide individualized medicine. So that's precision medicine. So bioinformatics is also important because that's how we connect the data to the meaning underlying the data. So bioinformatics specifically connects the data with underlying biology at the cellular and molecular level. So an example of this is if you're looking at the genetic sequence, the genome sequencing information will only tell you the A's, the T's, the C's, and the G's, right? The nucleic acids that make up that sequence. It doesn't tell you anything about that gene's function or structure, for example. So you have to layer on this bioinformatic information to understand whether a change in a genetic sequence in a particular region is in a region that might impact health. But this is only one type of informatics that's important to consider in precision medicine research. In addition to applying information about the cellular and molecular level with bioinformatics, biomedical informatics connects data to physiological systems and clinical informatics to clinical outcomes. We use all of these methods when planning for the biomedical database in the All of Us research program. So adding the relevant context or information to data is critical for interpreting and applying results. Seems like it has such widespread potential impact, not only on the public, but as far as how agencies are going to treat data and some of these efforts. Have you always had a passion for health? Yeah, I absolutely have. And my motivation is is actually quite personal. When I was a kid, my father was diagnosed with cancer when I was quite young. And so that is what really stimulated and encouraged me to go into health research. So for my PhD, I decided to work in cancer biology and genomics. And the more I learned, the more I realized that it really was kind of like cracking a code, becoming a detective about what does the genetic sequence mean in terms of health and disease. The other thing that was really interesting to me about this field is that it really is at this intersection of emerging technology. You know, genomics has grown amazingly because of the technology and the advances in the technology. But it's also across disciplinary science, because in addition to applying the principles of biology, you also have to really be kind of curious about the data aspect of things and you have to be savvy in analytics. So that's why I decided to continue to work in that field. We've made tremendous progress especially because of this cross-discipline research for cancer, but as also for health and disease more broadly. There's still so much more to discover about our genomes and now other omics data types, including proteomics, metabolomics, and microbiomes to understand how they translate into different states of health and disease. I'm sure there are so many people who are in the same shoes who want to get involved in things like these. And with the PIV program sounding like it's facilitating that, do you think it is stimulating transformational change in the government? Absolutely. So, but first to address the first um, thing that you mentioned, for people that are interested, the PIF program is actually recruiting right now. So if you're interested, you can find out more at apply.pif.gov. But since my involvement in the program, there are two specific features of the PIF program, and I kind of think of them as our superpowers. And that's how I see that PIFs are able to induce this transformational change within the government. So the first of these two superpowers is that PIFs are recruited to have a wide range of skills and expertise across technology. So what this means is that we as a cohort are incredibly diverse in thought 
and perspective and expertise. So when we come together, we can really tackle challenges in our agency projects as well as cross-agency efforts. The second feature that's really important, another superpower, is that since we're all detailed to different agencies, we get a different view, a different window into problems and challenges that are happening across the government. So then when we come together, we're able to share what are the common themes, what are common solutions, how can we actually make each of our projects amplified by sharing that information across agencies. So it really can maximize the impact of any given project. We have weekly meetings to facilitate the exchange of ideas, and we often work together to tackle wider topics related to technology to provide thought leadership across the government. One of the features of the program that also makes this topical PIF response possible is the fact that our main agency project detail is only for 80% of our time. So that leaves 20% of our time free to do PIF work, to work on special topics, or to work with other agencies. So because of this, in addition to the work at NIH, during this time, I'm also able to work with BARDA colleagues around the COVID-19. So what do you hope to accomplish by the end of this fellowship? It's a one-year rotation, isn't that right? Yes, that's exactly right. It's a one-year term appointment that sometimes gets renewed for a second year, but you're exactly right. You know, as soon as you come in, you kind of have to hit the ground running and carve out a project and try to get something done. So my first goal is to really successfully contribute to the mission of NIH's All of Us Research Program. The work that I'm working on specifically involves coordinating with an amazing set of colleagues, including the government colleagues at NIH, but also several different partner organizations. Some of the specific work that I'm focused on includes integrating new data types from wearables data and also promoting linkages to other data sets to enrich the database. We're already making a lot of progress towards integrating new data types into the researcher database, and it's really going to be very exciting to hear feedback from the researchers when the database opens to the research community. The second goal that I have for my first PIF year is to really leverage this unique opportunity to look across agencies and identify ways that technology isn't already, but could be leveraged to make the government work better for the American people. One specific gap that I've noticed is that there isn't really a common way or set of standards for saving and sharing data between agencies. There are several public databases, which are great, but there are other data that are generated by the government or funded by the government that might not be suitable for public release, at least not yet but still may be useful to the missions of one or more agency. Currently, this problem is being handled on a case-by-case -case basis, you know, with, with a lot of success, but also with a lot of different approaches. And I think it'd be really great to create a resource with best practices or recommendations for things like distributed storage, access controls, metadata tagging standards, database formats for data types, et cetera, for all agencies to leverage. Now, thinking back into the things that you've briefly touched on regarding the All of Us program, what were some of the things that you learned so far in the research participation efforts in that program? I've learned so much. <laughs> it's really impossible to distill it down, but I'll highlight a couple of things. The first thing that I continue to learn and appreciate is just the scope and the magnitude of the program. All of Us is truly a Herculean effort. You know, enrolling a million participants, collecting all of the various data types over time. You know, it's not a static collection like some cohort projects. And then assembling the data and making it all available to the research community in a usable format, which in and of itself, making the data available in a usable format is a challenge. All of that taken together, it's, it's really a massive job. It requires so much coordination across the program team, the consortium members, and the participants. So that's one thing that I'm continuing to be humbled by. The second thing is that there's innovation in this program everywhere. There seem to be pockets of innovation within the program in all these little unexpected places because the project is really trying to do something new on so many levels. 
So to achieve this, success is really requiring new systems and new schema. And it's this technology innovation that's going to lead to the research discoveries and the resulting implementation of precision medicine that's really exciting. Now, in your previous roles supporting health agencies like BARDA and DARPA, what were some of the priorities you were tackling around biosecurity? Yeah, so I was actually mostly working on infectious diseases and preventing the next pandemic. But in addition to the specific subject matter, working at DARPA truly transformed the way that I think about science and technology. I credit my time at DARPA with enabling me to imagine what disruptive innovation means. So for anyone who's not familiar with DARPA, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and it's the Department of Defense's research agency that's creating breakthrough technologies and capabilities for national security. It's credited with inventing the internet, developing robots, and a lot of other technologies relevant to enabling and protecting our warfighters. So I was actually working in DARPA's newest office, the Biological Technologies Office. And the goal, like other DARPA offices, is to really fund moonshot projects that take giant leaps rather than small incremental improvements in state of the art. So these are often riskier projects with high risk, but potentially high reward that can create a completely new reality. One of the DARPA programs that I was working on is called the Prometheus Program. And it aims to identify prognostic biomarkers that indicate if an individual was exposed to an infectious agent even before symptoms occur. So the traditional model is to perform diagnostic testing once a person is sick and seeks care. But pre-symptomatic detection, like what the goal of the Prometheus program, really has the potential to slow the spread of infectious diseases more effectively, since it could potentially decrease the contagious spread that happens before an individual becomes sick, seeks care, and decides to stay home. So instead of reacting to an outbreak once it's already spreading through a population at an exponential rate, the goal of the DARPA work was really to get ahead of that spread by detecting infections sooner, even before symptoms appear. This work involved looking at a lot of different types of host biomarkers from blood, as well as biomarker data from wearable devices. So a good description of this is like, what if your wearable device could tell you that you might be getting the flu even two days before you felt sick? If that were true, it would be then your choice. You could stay home and prevent spreading the flu to your colleagues and to anyone you would encounter in those two days. So the program became a collaborative effort with BARDA shortly after their newest division, the Division of Research, Innovation, and Ventures, or DRIVE, was formed. And now BARDA's ENACT program, the Early Notification to Act, Control, and Treat, continues to fund research on wearables and other technologies for pre-symptomatic infectious disease detection. So this concept of pre-symptomatic infection detection is important for both national security and health security, both domestic and globally. And I remain very passionate about understanding what digital biomarkers from wearable devices can mean for health, both in the context of infection and other diseases. This has so much relevancy right now, especially as we're dealing with the coronavirus response. So I'm glad to hear some of the things that have been in the works even before we've been having to face the current efforts. It's pretty interesting. (laughs) In what ways are you seeing the most tech impact currently in health research? Yeah, so there's been tremendous innovation in technology for health research in the past few decades. I'll highlight a couple examples, and both of these are relevant to kind of the work that I do and that I'm interested in. The first is the development of genomic sequencing technology. So next generation sequencing from when I started grad school till now has just exploded, right? Sequencing is now faster, cheaper, easier to perform than ever. You know, and, and a good example is in the state of the current pandemic, we had the sequence for the causative agent faster than ever before, right? And so that's a really, really good thing. Nanopore sequencing technology in particular can even be performed in field-based settings. So you can essentially take sequencing to the sample instead of having to transport the sample out of the field to the sequencing laboratory. 
Nanopore sequencing is really interesting to me also because it potentially offers a more flexible platform for sequencing complex samples, so more than one type of material or nucleic acid at a time. So this innovation in genomic sequencing means that we're able to get sequencing information sooner, and that increased speed translates into lives saved when it comes to identifying a pathogen, developing vaccines, diagnostics, and therapeutics. Another area where I think technology is having a dramatic impact on health research, and especially the way that health research is done, is the development of cloud-based biomedical research platforms, similar to the one that's being developed for the All of Us Research Program study. So these cloud-based systems really are changing the paradigm for the way that researchers interact with data, because the current model is that you know researchers download data or they create data in their own labs, and then they do their analysis in these kind of different places, you know, in, the, in your own lab, essentially. But what cloud-based systems offer is the potential to house the data together in the cloud and allow researchers to come do their computation in the cloud. And one of the reasons why this is, I think, potentially a game changer is it because it provides the opportunity for reuse of code and replication of results. And these are two very important features to improve reliability of research. And it also means that you don't have to recreate your work. You know, So if someone's already developed a really great normalization algorithm, you can just reuse that or you can tweak it and make it a little bit better. So I think it's really wonderful. This technology, in coordination with continuing efforts to standardize metadata and methods, including electronic health record interoperability, will continue to promote discovery and innovation in health and healthcare. And with those efforts, especially as agencies are moving to the cloud and we are constantly hearing about data management strategies, how do you see emerging technologies advancing health IT? Yeah, I'm very excited about emerging technologies, especially with regards to health. And one of the things I'm most excited about is using wearables and other contactless devices for continuous remote monitoring. We've already seen some great uses in cardiovascular and neuromuscular health, and I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. I love keeping up with new devices that are being developed, but I'm even more interested and excited about the data. We don't currently use a lot of continuous data in health and healthcare, except for specific scenarios like in the intensive care unit. So making sense of how these continuous data streams can relate to a person's health is a really exciting area right now. It also means that there are, you know, potentially regulatory science gaps. And so it's a great time to be a PIF to think through cross-agency solutions to enable transition from research to healthcare practice. With regard to the current climate with the coronavirus response, I'm not sure how much you can go into this, but how do you see partnerships and some of these tech advancements government is making right now impacting how we're dealing with coronavirus? Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. I think that it's been wonderful to see public-private partnerships leveraging technology advancements. There's a huge opportunity space for that, especially in the current pandemic, but pretty much always. It's been great to see that large and small tech companies are offering to help. They're really stepping up um, and developing capabilities relevant to this pandemic. One of the things that I've really loved is seeing the expansion of telehealth capabilities in the private sector as well as the greater interest of adoption of telehealth within the government. So with the fellowship only lasting a year or, you know, with the potential of it extending a little bit further, where do you see your current work taking you next? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I really have to come up with an answer soon. (laughs) Since, as you mentioned, the appointment's only for a year. So, you know, like you said, and like I said, there, there is an opportunity to extend possibly for a second year. And that could either mean staying with my current agency at NIH or working with a different agency. So that's certainly a possible option. 
But, you know, I, I always try to keep an open mind and look for opportunities where they might arise. So I'm definitely open minded and, and just continuing to look forward. But overall, I definitely want to continue to do work that creates a new normal for science and health and specifically working at the intersection of three things. First, new and emerging technology. Second, data and analytics. And third, national health and biosecurity. Well, it seems like there are plenty of options of exercising those desires, especially if you decide to stay in the public sector of things. But seeing all the increase in the public-private partnerships, especially during this time, it seems like there's so much promise for applying some of these technologies across the board, regardless of where it is. Yeah, I would agree. Thanks so much, Michelle. It was awesome to talk to you and get to know a little bit more about health science and all the data efforts and all these cool programs that you've had a hand in. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Thank you.